Welcome to Awakening Today. These are the episodes that drop in your feed twice a week to encourage you in your Bible reading plan. This is Easter week, the week of April 12th. We read Proverbs 27 through 31, finishing the book, and Ecclesiastes 1. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you so much for joining us this week on our um, Sunday services, our three Sunday services, and now this week for the podcast. We're excited to dive in this week. In fact, I just want to take a break a little bit and pause in the resurrection. And here's why. I want us to remember how powerful and pivotal this moment was. I think we have a tendency to just really sit with the resurrection on Easter and then move on. And for this week, looking at Proverbs 27 through 31, looking at Ecclesiastes 1, I know we can tackle a lot of that in the next episodes to come because we have some time in Ecclesiastes. And to be honest, Ecclesiastes is kind of a bummer. And I'm sitting in the joy of the resurrection right now. I don't know about you. Even though we were apart, it was such a weird Easter, definitely the strangest Easter of my life. Um, But I really did feel the joy of the resurrection through our sermons and the worship experience that was put on awakeningchurch.com. If you missed it, you can head to our website, and listen in. I want to just take a brief break because, um, you know, historically the church throughout many centuries after Easter enters into what they call Easter Tide. Um, it's kind of a historic thing. We don't often talk about it that much, maybe in the circles and the churches you've been in, but Easter Tide. Historically, the church would take 50 days after Easter to just kind of bask in the resurrection, just think on the resurrection, before they started to talk about um, Pentecost and the reality of the Holy Spirit. And so I thought, man, we may not take 50 days, but let's take this week and bask in the resurrection, soak in the power of Jesus, and just spend this episode and the next episode considering these things. And... I wanted to actually, for this episode, just read a brief reflection that I wrote last year about the eight days after the resurrection. This is from John 20, 20 through 25, which is the story of Doubting Thomas. And this reflection is titled, Eight Days Later. And I hope it blesses you and encourages you this week after Easter, because I know in the COVID-19 world, we can quickly go from the reality of the resurrection to the reality of isolation. But this uh, reflection is hopefully here to encourage you. It's called Eight Days Later. Recently, a friend of mine proposed an idea to me that was a bit outlandish. Before me, he gave me any details, he said, I don't want an answer today. Just tell me you'll think about it for 24 hours. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever used this trick? It might not even be a trick. It might be one of the more generous things we can do for people when surprising them. When faced with a decision, we need time to contemplate. We probably need to, as we say, sleep on it. Why? Are we not unconscious when we sleep? Why would being unconscious help us make a conscious decision? And yet, 
From our experience, so many of us can testify to making better decisions when given a span of time to think on it. Contemplation, reflection, and consideration are hidden but essential assets in the work of decision-making. I've been thinking about all of this because I recently read the climactic end of the story of Doubting Thomas in John chapter 20. The story is famous. After the, the disciples come to Thomas saying, quote, We have seen the Lord. Thomas gives his well-known remark. He won't believe until he sees the wounds of Jesus and even places his fingers on the scars. That's in John 20, 24 to 25. We miss the next line, though, in verse 26, which says this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Eight days later. This is a significant amount of time. I, I read that recently and began to wonder, what happened over those eight days? Thomas's closest friends were obsessing over the news, certain they had seen the risen Jesus. Others were skeptical, claiming the body was stolen. Word around Jerusalem, we know, was ablaze with the news that a man who was, now, who was dead is now alive. It is not an absurd suggestion to say that Thomas probably could not escape people talking about Jesus over those eight days. Imagine, everywhere he goes, someone has an opinion on this, and Thomas, our favorite skeptic, remains silent as people loft their opinions and shout down their dissenters. The varying comments must have been dizzying. He is risen. That is absolutely impossible. His body was stolen. I saw him alive from the dead with my own eyes. There, amidst the pundits, as they lob dramatic phrases in the air of conversation, Thomas is still mulling it over. I need to see it to believe it. And then, John says, eight days later. If a lot can change in our minds over 24 hours, then certainly a lot can change in our minds over eight days. Or can it? We're in an age where changing our minds is a bit of a rarity. Stuck in our ways, jammed within our own worldview, we've lost the ability to be surprised that we may in fact be wrong. It's my opinion that this is all that needed to happen with Thomas over those eight days. He didn't need to completely change his mind in eight days. He just needed to be willing to change his mind. I think I know this because of what happens next in the story. John 20, 26 through 27. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Now let's pause to clarify. There's a traditional reading of the story that follows the famous Caravaggio painting. Jesus makes this offer, put your finger here, and Thomas puts his finger in the wound and poof, he believes. Is this what the text says? Thanks to my friend Dave Lomas, I now see that it does not say that. Caravaggio in the painting has led us to misread the story. Read it now carefully in John 20, 27 through 28. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands and put your and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. 
there is nowhere in the text that says Thomas actually placed his finger there. Instead, we read that Jesus walks through a locked door, gives Thomas an opportunity, the grace, to satisfy his skepticism. But it's unneeded. It's as if simply the offer was what moved Thomas. Or, let's look at it even more plainly of the story. Not just the offer, but the appearance of Jesus. Simply, the presence of Jesus appears and Thomas sees and believes. Can the presence of God dominate or rearrange our skepticism? My decade of pastoral work would tell me yes. Sometimes all we need is to be mulling life over for a couple days. Start to be open to the possibility of being wrong and allow ourselves to be surprised by God's appearing. Surprised is certainly the word for Thomas, who answered Jesus in the exclamatory, My Lord and my God. Surprise is a key element of spirituality. Nobody plans to become a Christian. It's something that happens to you. Faith follows after the surprising, unplanned appearance of God. As the risen one, Jesus shows up to us today in a similar fashion. The clues are all around our, quote, God-bathed world, as Dallas Willard puts it. And the historical evidence is sufficient. Suddenly, through various means, Jesus appears behind the locked doors of our minds as a surprise. Even when we desire to shut him out and stick to our guns, he appears. Nothing can stop the relentless pursuit of a God like Jesus, who opens his wounded hands to us and says, Here. Well, nothing except us. Our brains like to remind where us where they are, but our hearts like to be moved. Which is why the resurrection brings us good news. Despite the time that has passed since we've declared our skepticism, eight days or 80 years, and despite our fixed opinions about it all, whether inside locked doors of our made-up minds, Jesus is constantly appearing. The presence of Jesus shocked Thomas thousands of years ago and can catch you off guard now. I guess my only question is, are you willing to be surprised? Just tell me you'll think about it for 24 hours. Grace and peace to you, friends, as you continue to contemplate the reality of the resurrection. And as Jesus appears to you this week, whether you're surprised or planning it, may you receive his welcomed presence every day. We love you guys.